from the Summerton Community of Summerton, Philadelphia. Beautiful, not only Monday morning, but the first morning of Hanukkah. Near Rishon to Hanukkah, we continue with Derech Hashem over here. We are in Perik Dalad, Chelik Dalad, Simen Ches, Dal Dal Ches. We're making progress over here, moving right along through the Ramchal's discussion of Shema. What Shema is all about, what happens when we say Shema, what we're doing when we say Shema, how we're affecting the universe when we say Shema. And so far we've covered the first six words and the second six words, Shema Yisrael Hashem Lekin Hashem Echad. Talk about all the things that are going on when we say Shema. Then we talked about Baruch Shem. That was last time. Zion, what Baruch Shem Kavod Machus what that is all about. And what we're doing when we say Baruch Shem, why we say it silently, quietly rather, why in Yom Kippur we say it aloud. And it is a statement of the Malachim, the difference between the Malachim saying it and we saying it, us saying our saying it. And that's what we had last time. So new, moving on now to Ches. And the Ramchal moves on in Shema. The Ramchal says the following. The rest of Shema, the continuation of Shema, is a continuation and providing us with additional supplemental material for the ideas that we've been discussing till now. So the rest of Shema is really a continuation of all this and filling it in and, and giving us a hashlamo, a supplement. And as it plays out, it, it, it plays itself out along three main principles, which before we see them, to understand how to file away and process the, the three principles he's about to tell us. He's, the Ramchal is saying that <clears throat> all of Shema is really contained in what we just described, in Shema Yisrael and in Baruch Shem. All of Shema is there. <clears throat> Shema is a, is, a, is a lengthy affair, the full Shema. There's three paragraphs. <clears throat> the Shema and Vayoymer. But it's all really elaborating on the opening two lines. That's what he just told us. So we can find all of Shema condensed and somehow compressed in the opening two lines, and then we, we, we expand and elaborate on all the themes that we were talking about, all the themes that are going on in, 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 in Kabbalah's Oma Chusoy, in Gilu Yehudoy, in, in, in Bing Mechaber Hashem, Kvoid Malchusoy. So all that gets expanded in the paragraphs of Shema. How so? says the Ramchal, so that, that goes along three major themes, the expansion of the first two lines of Shema, which are, Kabbalah's O Malchusoy V'ahavosoy, being Makabal, Hashem's Malchus, and the love of God, loving God, and, and Hashem being our King. Number one. Number two is, Kabbalah's O Mitzvahs, accepting Hashem's Mitzvahs, accepting the yoke of Hashem's Mitzvahs. And finally, Uzechiras Yitzias Mitzrayim, Remembering Mitzrayim, that we left Mitzrayim. So, we would kind of say, we would kind of say the following, the first two seem to be pretty obvious, how they are expansions and elaborations, extrapolations of the condensed ideas that are there in the first two lines. Shema Yisrael and Baruch Shem certainly can be expanded upon when we, when we focus on 
being a Kabbalah Shem's Machos, I mean, that was Shema itself. Avos Hashem, that definitely ties in with the concept of Hashem being a Melech. Being a Kabbalah's Mitzvah, that also has to do with his Machos. But Zechiyah, that seems to be the odd man out over here. That seems to be the odd one out. That's the one that's going to need to have a little bit more explanation. Where does uh, Mitzrayim, talking about Mitzrayim, talking about leaving Egypt, why is that naturally part of Shema, why does elaborating a Shema bring us to talking about Mitzrayim? And so many things that we could talk about. Why don't we talk about um, the month falling down, right? We could talk about that happening. The fact that Hashem gave us the month for 40 years. You know, we could talk about the fact that that twice on Shabbos. What? Twice on Shabbos. Twice on Erev Shabbos, that's right. We got a double portion on Friday in preparation for Shabbos. We could talk about Har Sinai, that's right. We could talk about Divine Revelation. We could talk about Kriyas Yamsuf, splitting of the Red Sea. So many things we could throw in. It just seems that like this is just like one of many epic events that happened over the course of our history that we kind of throw into Shema. What does that have to do with expanding Shema and Baruch Shem? So we'll have to see. But it will have to have something to do on, with them on a critical level because otherwise it wouldn't be here. So the Ramchal now is going to show us <clears throat> how these three aspects are are, are central to Shema and building off of Shema and Baruch Shem. Says Ramcha, the first parsha, the first parsha of Shema, we find a person is is, is, is to do what? The main theme of the first paragraph is for a person to have full, complete, and perfect love of Hashem. No holds barred. Nothing in the way, uh, 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 with all conditions met. Tahainu, what does it mean to have full, complete, and perfect love of God with nothing in the way? Tahainu, bechol levavcha uvechol nafshecha uvechol ma'idecha. person has to have love of Kaddish Baruch Hu, in all areas to the max. Three areas that a person has to have love of the Rebbein with his heart, with his soul, and with his means. And we're told you have to have so much love of Hashem that you are maxed out in all three areas. That is full love of Hashem. Um, let's read another line or two and we'll come, we'll come back to this. We'll come back and try to try to understand this and pick this apart. And we want to tap into and bring down to us <clears throat> Hashem's Kedusha, Hashem's presence, Hashem's radiance, and Hashem's authority. We want to pull it down, bring it down, bring it into our lives as much as possible, our lives and the lives of our children. That's the next idea that we find in the first paragraph is giving over these principles to our children. And to bring Hashem's Kedusha, bring a connection to Hashem down into all aspects of our daily lives and functioning. And finally, to let it pour and let that light shine its way into our house. We conclude by saying, Put the Shema on the mezuzahs, put it on your doorposts. That's the end of a short paragraph. There's clearly a mouthful of information going on over here. A mouthful, a noseful, an earful of information going on over here. That has to be somehow an expansion of Shema. But it would seem to be wildly all over the place over here. 
<coughs> we're talking about loving Hashem on all three levels, being maxed out to the max in terms of our love. We're talking about our kids. We're talking about our house. We're talking about walking and sitting. Um, how does all this get tied together in one neat package of continuing and building on Shema? What does it have to do with my kids? What does it have to do with my house? What does it have to do with my dwellings and my sittings and my walkings? And loving Hashem in all three areas. How do we tie all these things into just building off of Shema itself? Why is Shema and expanding on Shema produce this whole whirlwind of activity that we see happening over here in the first paragraph of Shema. So, so how do we put this together? How do we put all this together? Um, so the giveaway over here is the fact that the Rabbi Chau, as he proceeds through this paragraph, as he's, you know, saying, it's not just this, but it's this, and it's more, and even more, and even more, and even more. That's what he's doing over here. He's just, in, in, in like six or seven short lines, he just threw layer upon layer, and level upon level, and, 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 and more uh, options, and more functions, and more features, that he's just throwing out left and right over here. The one idea that keeps popping up all the way through is the, the Oma Chusay. He keeps throwing out Kabbalah's Oma Chusay. And even though all these ideas seem to be despair and disconnected ideas, the idea of, of loving Hashem, loving Hashem on all, all, all my levels, and giving things over to my kids, and when I walk, and when I sit, and when I dwell, and when I undwell in my house, these seems to be all kinds of different things. But the Ramchal keeps injecting Kabbalah's Oma Chusay, accepting Hashem as a Melech. He says it kabbalz omachusoy va'avosoy, accepting Hashem as a melech and His love. He, he puts them side by side, um, and he throws it again in the middle of the paragraph. Ulahamshich heoras kedushosoy isborach. What we're trying to do in the first paragraph Shema, after we pledge our love to God on all three levels and we're maxed out all of our hearts, all of our souls, and all of our means. So we want to bring. Hashem's radiance into our lives. For all machus is baruch. Want to bring Hashem's radiance and Hashem's all machus. He keeps, like, kind of like you know, stooping it in over here. Kind of finds its way into the the uh, discussion, um, even though we seem to be running around all over the place, um, and grabbing and snatching so many different ideas. But kabos all machus so is baruch. Hashem's authority, Hashem's, Hashem's Hashem is a king, keeps popping its way in. So, one thing is clear, that however we're going to put all these ideas together, loving Hashem on all three levels, being maxed out, our lives, our loves, our children, etc., this is all building off the idea of kabos o machusoy, accepting Hashem as a king. So let's build off of that. How does accepting Hashem as a king suddenly say that I have to pledge my love to God on all three levels? And by the way, what are these three levels? So Gemara tells us already, you have to love Hashem with all of your urges, all of your desires. My Yetzir Hara, my Yetzir Taif, and my Yetzir Hara. I have to use my instincts on, 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 on both sides of the coin to serve God, both my instincts to do the right thing, my instincts to do the wrong thing, have to be harnessed to serve God. That means you have to give up your life. That's how much you have to love God to give up your life. You have to love God with all of your means to be prepared to spend money on Hashem. We spend money on ourselves so easily. So easily will we spend money on ourselves. We've got to spend money on Hashem also. We spend money on God. 
buy a beautiful menorah, buy a beautiful lulav and esrug, buy yummy delectable foods for the delectable Shabbos table. Spend money on God also. Okay, so that's that's love of God. Um, and I have to love God so much that I have to be prepared to give up my life for God, my money for God. Excuse me. My Yitzhahara has to be channeled to God. What does that have to do with accepting Hashem as an authority? Accepting Hashem as an authority means I have to listen. I have to, got to listen to the king. What does that have to do with I have to love the king? What does I have to love the king? The king really care if anybody loves him? The king just wants everybody to listen. I just want everyone to listen. I want everyone to snap to attention. Snap to attention when I walk in the room. I want everybody to salute. Stop what they're doing and salute. I don't care if you love me or not. I just want you to listen. I want there to be common order. The parent walks into this house. Or the parent wants his kids to love him. Parents wants the kids to, what Arthur, spring to attention, right? Salute. I don't know about that. Well, okay. He wants everyone to listen. I want to, you guys stop making noise. You just listen. Your old man walks in the room. Grandpa's here. You got to stop and, and salute. Why does accepting Hashem as an authority as a king have, have, bring us to, to love of God? Don't, don't love God, just listen to God. So the idea is like this, terrorists like this, an idea that we already encountered. And when we say that Hashem is a king, Hashem is a melech, we're specifically saying Hashem is a melech and not the alternative, which could be a maishal. Maishal is the dictator. The maishal is the despot. Maishal is the, the, the authoritarian who indeed just wants to be an authority. He's a ruler who just wants to rule. He's um, a dictator who just wants to dictate. A tyrant who just wants to tyrannize. Uh, yeah, he just wants everyone to spring to attention. It's, it's a unilateral relationship. He just, it's about his control. It's about his power. It's about his power. Now, a melech, the classic definition of a melech, is someone who has an am, who's interested in his am. Ain melech beloy am. He understands that it's a two-way relationship. It's symbiotic, and he's there for, for them. But he, he... He... Um, needs them as well. He needs them what? He needs them to willingly, lovingly accept his authority. And what emerges over here is 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 such a such a clear yesoid. If the Melech is there for them, yes, the Melech is interested in his nation. <clears throat> He's dedicated to his nation. He's there for their welfare. But if they don't accept him as a Melech, even if they listen to him, but they made him into a Maishal. They made him into a Maishal. If the Am does not see and doesn't get it, doesn't understand that the, the Melech has their best interest in mind and only has their best interest in mind, and rather they relate to him like a tyrant, they relate to him like a dictator, then they made him into a Maishal. What an amazing insight. What a frightening thought. The king could be as loving as possible, could really have their best interests in mind, and could be so super dedicated to his flock and to his nation. But ain't melech beloy am works both ways. A melech is only a melech because he's dedicated to his nation. 
but he's only going to be that melech if the nation makes him into a melech. Because the nation could make him into a moishal. If the nation just th- thinks that, oh, you know, why, why does he want me to do this, that, and the other? Because he has a power complex. Because he has a control issue. He's a control freak. That's why he's always asking me to to uh, make sure the refrigerator is closed after I take the milk out. That's why he's always as, making, asking me to, to um, throw out the cardboard box that the popsicles come in when you take the last popsicle. Because he has a control thing. He has a power complex. When that's what the nation perceives, the nation made a me- the melech into a maishal. If the nation sees that this is not in their best interest, it's just following the whims and the fancies of some authority, an authorita- authoritarian authority, they refuse to let him be a melech, they're making him into a maishal. And as Arthur is saying, the parent doesn't really want his kids to snap to his attention, he doesn't really want a good parent, a real good parent, does not really want his kids to relate to him like a dictator, relate to him like a tyrant, relate to him like someone who just needs to throw their weight around. Although generally, as we develop as parents, we tend to have a lot more weight as the years go by to throw around, right? But that's, you know, not what he really wants, but the kids, the kids perceive that all too often. The kids see that this is a parent who just needs, you know, to, he needs control. He needs, he needs to have power. He needs to push me around. Listen, sometimes parents do end up going that way. And sometimes you have parents that do develop this power complex and have control issues. And those taka are moishlim in their own house. They're, they're moishlim, not a melech. They're a moishlim. They're a dictator. But a good parent is a melech and really is dedicated to his family and wants to see them grow and thrive and and, and, and why does that parent tell the kid, don't get it from the table until you put your plate away? Don't, don't go play with your friends until you've done your job. When you take the last popsicle out of the box, throw the box out. Why? Because I'm a control freak, because I have a power complex. Why, Arthur? Why do we insist and, and make our kids come back to the table and take their plate away before they leave the table? To do the right thing. To do the right thing. Let's take that a step further. To do the right thing. What does it, what does it bother? Bother me if they're not going to do the right thing. So I'll do it for them. The answer is, what? For their own benefit? For their own benefit. Because a kid who is trained when he's young to put his plate away when he gets up from the table, who is trained to, to throw the box out when he takes the last popsicle, you're training him to be sensitive to others, to be courteous, to be mindful, to have, to have respect and understanding of people around him. He's gonna, a good kid is going to be a good adult. A kid that's trained that way as a child is going to be a good adult. It's going to be an adult that's sensitive to others, an adult that's sensitive to people on the road. An adult that doesn't go into fury and rage when, when, when someone cuts them off. An adult that will slow down and let someone else enter the road. An adult that, that knows how to treat his wife, his wife properly because he can be sensitive to others. You're doing it because you love your kids so much and you want them to grow up properly. That's why you're doing it, right? But children tend to not see it that way. Children tend to see it, oh my gosh, what a pain. My parents, my parents are such nuisances, right? You're a mino. You're a mino. One of my kids told me that the other day. You're such a amino. I think they said amino. They didn't say mini, they said amino. I don't know, maybe they were calling me an amino acid or something, right? But they called me a, a amino. 
so, so you know, kids. Wasn't that the name of the boat, the Gilligan's Island? Amino acid? No, no. Oh, minnow, the minnow. minnow. Yeah, there was the minnow, yeah. It's a little fishy, yeah. Anyway, so um, kids perceive parents as moishlim. Little kids, little kids. But as uh, Mark Twain once famously remarked, and Chachma Bagayim Taimon, Mark Twain, everyone knows the famous Zog from Mark Twain, right? Said when he was younger, you know, he was always so, uh, I'm not quoting him exactly, but he said along the following lines when he was younger, he was always so infuriated by how, how, how much of a buffoon and how his father was. And, uh, you know, when he came back to the house as, a, as an adult, he was amazed at how much his father had learned in the last, in the past 10 years. How much his father, how much his father had learned. Um, so, so, kids have a tendency to, little kids certainly have a tendency to see their kids, their parents as emotional because they don't get it. They don't understand it. You're just, you're just pushing me around. It's arbitrary. A child, hopefully, as he develops, comes to appreciate the training that he got from his parents. And again, that's when a parent really is a melech and not a maishal. That's when the child really does appreciate this. And Ataka, you were there, you were guiding me, you were, you were, you were, you were there giving me love the entire time. So it, it's, a child can make a parent from a melech to a maishal. And all little kids generally tend to do that. We can't give in. We have to know we're doing the right thing. We really are a melech. But a subject to a king can do the same thing. If I see that the king is just pushing me around over here, if that's how I perceive it, I'm making the king into a meanie. You're a moishal. You're, you're trying to push me around. You're trying to, trying to take advantage of me. You're trying to torment me. You're just, you're just having a good time at my expense. And you just gave me all these random arbitrary rules. When I perceive Yiddishkeit as a system of random rules that are there to make my life inconvenient, Shabbos and Kashas, and just interfering with what I want, that I'm that petulant, immature kid who sees his parents as always constantly interfering with what he wants, and the parent becomes a meanie, God becomes a meanie. Hashem is a meanie. Because Hashem is just getting in the way of what I want. Hashem is interfering with what I want. Torah and mitzvahs are getting in the way of what I want. I want that. But look, Torah is interfering with that. So Hashem was, is a moishal. With my perception, I made Hashem into a moishal. Aye, but we have to be makabal ol machusoy. We have to make Hashem into a melech. And we have to understand that Hashem is really a melech and not a moishal. And Hashem is a king. And ain't melech below yam. Hashem is a king and he's here for us. He's super dedicated to his flock and to his people. And he only has our best interests in mind. So in Shema, if I am to accept Hashem as a king and make Hashem as a king, I have to understand that all of the rutzen of that melech, the wishes and the desires and the instructions of that melech are in my best interest. They're there for me and not for him. They're there for the am. They're, they're tacking my best interest. Terimitz is not interfering with my life. I care. It's enhancing my life. The best life is the life of Terimitz. And that's why to do Kabbalah's Omachusoy properly, that has to lead us to Ahava, Avas Hashem, love of God. That's why Shema naturally continues to Vahavta Hashem Lekech, Vacholavavcha, Vachonavshcha, 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 you have to love Hashem to the max. On all three levels, how much do I have to love Hashem? Love Hashem with all my means. Love Hashem with all my life. Love Hashem with all of my lust. Okay? Yeah, so we just needed the third L. So that, that we could throw that one out. Well, all my... Everything. Why do I have to love Hashem with all of my everything? Because when we do that, then Hashem is a melech. 
why, when do we love Hashem? When do we love our parents? When do we come back and love our parents? When I come back and I realize my parents were really there for me the entire time. They always had my best interest in mind and they were always doing everything only for me. Selflessly. They were dedicated to me. They were a melech and not a moishel. That elicits love for me back to my parents and I'll, I'll do anything for that parent because I love my parents so much because I have such intense understanding of what my parents did for me. That brings me to intense love back to my parents. So if we're going to attack indeed accept Hashem as a melech and not as a moishel and see that Hashem is there for us, that has to elicit intense fiery love on all three levels of my existence to the max because if there's an area that I don't love Hashem in, means in that area, I haven't fully accepted Hashem as a melech. Let's speak it out. If I can't give up my money for God, if I can't spend money on mitzvahs, so to that degree that I can't spend money on mitzvahs, I don't fully love Hashem, it means, it means that I see that the Lulav and Ezra is interfering with, with me. The menorah is interfering with me. Hashem, what, you want me to spend all this money on the Lulav and Ezra? Well, I don't know if I can do it right now. I need to save money for my vacation to Cancun. I need to save money for my brand new um, widescreen flat wall size, wall to wall um, home theater monitor. Uh, I have to get a new one. I have to get a new one. They just come out with one that's one and a half inches wider. So I, I would love to spend money on that Louis but I need to get that new monitor for my surround sound home theater system. So what am I saying? Essentially, I'm saying, you know, Hashem, you're a Michel. You're a Michel because you want me to spend money on your stuff. That interferes with my stuff. If I can't fully spend all my money on God, it means I can't fully express all my love for God. I'm invited to saying that there are areas where Hashem is interfering with, with me and Hashem is not really out there for my best interest and I have to come first. There's a, a flaw, a shortcoming in my ahava if I can't give up all my money for God and if I can't spend all my money on mitzvahs, there's a problem with my ahava. I don't realize that Hashem has only my best interest in mind. If I can't give up my Yetzir Hara for Hashem, if I can't show my Yetzir Hara for Hashem, if I have to think the same thing, Hashem, I know you want me to do this, but my Yetzir Hara wants me to do that, and I'm sorry, I have to come first. I have to come first. You're interfering with, with what I really want. You're a Moishal. You're a Moishal. You're pushing me around. I really want to be over there. You're telling me to be over there. You're a Moishal. You don't get what I really need, what I really want. You're not a Melech, you're a Moishal. If I can't give up my Yetzir Hara for Hashem, again, my Ava is flawed. I haven't fully been Mechabal Hashem as a Melech and not as a Moishal. Avo is always inextricably linked to the degree that I'm Mechabal Hashem as a Melech and not a Moishal. And even when it comes, especially when it comes to my own life, if I have to put my self-preservation before my love of God, I'm saying, Hashem, I know what you want me to do, but my life has to come first, i.e. your interests are interfering with my life, my basic life, and my life has to come before your interests. I don't get the fact that your interest is everything that my life is all about because your interests are ultimately the best thing for me and for my life and me, even if that means giving up my life that is the best best thing that I could possibly do right now so again I'm not making Hashem into the total Melech I'm making himself, Hashem in that area into a, a Moishel so what a beautiful profound idea over here that's why accepting Hashem's Malchus means that making Hashem to a Melech making Hashem someone who is a Melech and not a Moishel someone who has my best interest in mind and that needs to and can only play itself out in seeing Ava for Hashem, appreciation for Hashem on all these fronts, all these levels which is exactly akin to that child being able to appreciate 
the fact that his parent is, is, is a true melech and that elicits complete love from the child to the parent because I get it, that you only had and always had and always do have my best interests in mind, as opposed to a moshul, you're just pushing me around, just giving me random, random orders. To the degree that we perceive mitzvahs as interference, nuisances, to that degree, Hashem is a moshul, to that degree, we lack ava. And conversely, we have ava everywhere, Hashem is a melech everywhere, Hashem has our best interests in mind everywhere. We've been makabal, the malchus of Hashem, malchus dafka, not the memshala. Okay, good, we will tomorrow continue through the other aspects, the Ramachal threw out over here, how those also tie us back into accepting the malchus of the Rebbein Shalom. And in the meantime, we should have a lichdige freilich of Chanukah, we continue tomorrow on the second day of Chanukah.